This episode of the Morning Skate is brought to you by Laga Sports. Laga Sports specializes in making 100% custom, fully sublimated uniforms and apparel for a variety of sports, but they're known for the premium quality and creativity of hockey jerseys. They have a one-price, any-design policy. It doesn't matter if you're looking for a simple NHL style or if you're wanting to create jerseys that look like Rebel Fighters from Star Wars. The price will always be the same, and the design of possibilities are endless. Check them out at lagasports.com. That is lagasports.com. L-A-G-A-S-P-O-R-T-S dot com. Own your look, own the game. You'll lose 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow, up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Morning Skate. This one's a really, really special one. Uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you guys should have heard about this documentary that came out. It's called The Russian Five. Uh, I have the director and writer Joshua Real with me today. Joshua, how's everything going, buddy? Great. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for thanks for coming on. I, I spoke with you a little bit before we hopped on. This is, I mean, this is huge. Like we've we've talked to some pretty big people, and I, I just, I don't know, taking time out and talking to us about this is incredible. So, I think my first question for you is. How, like So this is a, a documentary about the Russian vibe, Detroit Red Wings, early 90s, ended up being a dynasty. Uh, tell us about like your hockey background. Is Are you very familiar with hockey? Like How did you get involved with the sport? I'm assuming the Red Wings were your favorite team. Did you play? Like What, what are uh, some of the answers to those questions? <laughs> yeah, well, I grew up here in uh, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. So obviously, you know, everyone here was uh, big into the Red Wings. Uh, and, you know, they... They were amazing when I was growing up. And so the Russian Five were my favorites. Uh, Konstantinov was my favorite player. And so, you know, to me, it was kind of it was natural that I wanted to eventually tell this story. Uh, Konstantinov and sort of what he overcame was his limo accident uh, for me, you know, sort of a personal inspiration for myself to overcome my own car accident. So, yeah, you know, it's a pretty important story for the history of the Red Wings and uh, just honored to be able to tell it. No, I mean, and it's kind of weird, right? I was born in 1990. Uh, growing up, I my dad started watching the Rangers in 94. So that's kind of like when I really started getting into hockey. So back then I was kind of too young and like growing up, obviously, you know, names like Fedorov and Kozlov and stuff like that. But I never really knew much about Konstantinov. And I, I don't know, I guess I never like researched it, anything along those lines. So when I watched, when I first watched this film, this was all like pretty new to me. I knew that there was an accident. And I knew that one of the players got seriously hurt, but I didn't really know who it was that he was like this absolute rock star defenseman that yeah. would just bump and grind. Like, and, and it, I don't know, man, it's, it's, you, you guys did an excellent job and I don't really want to break down every single little thing about the Russian five, but could you just kind of like, can you tell us about it? Like, how did, how did it start? Like, what, what was like the first thing you're just like, okay, I want to do this documentary. Then, then what did you do? Like, how did you get contacts? Like, how did this all come to fruition? Well, you know, I actually started just by writing letters to everyone that I could think of that was involved. And, you know, 
fortunately for me, this was during the last uh, NHL lockout. So guys like, you know, Ken Holland and Jim Lights didn't really have anything going on. They were just waiting for the lockout to resolve. So I was living in Austin, Texas at the time where I uh, went to film school. And Jim Light sent me, uh, you know, or actually called me and said, you know, hey, if, you, uh, if you're serious about this, why don't you come up to Dallas and uh, let's have a conversation. How jacked up were you when you got that phone call? <laughs> well, you know, you never know what's going to happen with these things where you, you, know, you start just kind of, it's almost like a message in a bottle, right? Yeah. And so that led to, you know, him putting me in contact with uh, Ken Holland and Jim Nevolano. And so slowly over the course of a little while, you start putting the pieces together to, you know, get everyone on board to actually make the, make the thing happen. Now, as, as you're writing letters, getting people to buy into everything, were you aware of everything that happened during this time or were there just things that you were told and you kind of like put puzzle pieces together? No, I mean, you know, for the most part, everything in the films actually, you know, it, it's, people have talked about it at one point or another. So it was just a matter of doing a lot of research from a bunch of various sources. Um, you know, you want to try to go in knowing as much of the story as possible. So, you know, you're focused on getting your interview subjects to just tell it to you in an engaging way. Um, but yeah, you know, there's certainly things that you don't know that going in, like, you know, Sergei Fedorov got to go hang out with Guns N' Roses, you know, and, and <laughs> what with them. So th those fun tidbits are always interesting to discover. Yeah. And, and without giving too much away, if you could just give us like a very brief synopsis of, of the Russian five film, like start to beginning doesn't have to be complete, but for somebody who hasn't watched it, kind of like a, give me a trailer in words of what the Russian five is actually about. Well, you know, it's about the Detroit Red Wings trying to, you know, turn their franchise around and kind of thinking outside of the box and bringing over what was at the time, you know, America's enemy, the Russians. And they played their style and they brought their style to North America and it really changed the game and helped the Wings, you know, finally win their first Stanley Cup in 42 years. Yeah, and... I mean, I, I'm kind of familiar with, with Russian players defecting. And, I, and when I say familiar, I watched a YouTube video on Alexander McGillney one time. Okay. And it, it, it was it was pretty crazy. So in the, in the film, you talk about how Sergei Fedorov, I think he played a World Junior game. And then they met with him right in, in the a hallway of the hotel and just grabbed him. That's insane to me. Uh, pretty much, yeah. It was uh, it an exhibition game for the, uh, what was it, the... The Goodwill Games, uh, Ted Turner's kind of answer to the Olympics. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was, they, you know, they talked about it, and Sergey was finally ready to go, and that was his opportunity to do so. So, yeah, you know, it's uh, it was a crazy moment in time in history uh, for, you know, the NHL, and just, you know, the fact that, you know, the, this is at the end of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have to take all that into context. Oh, exactly. Right. Because like, yeah, you may be getting Sergey Fedorov, but you have like KGB agents and you have like, you you don't really know what to expect. I can't imagine what those guys were thinking when they're like, okay, we're going to get Sergey in the car and hopefully this goes okay. Yeah. You know, Jim Lights had had a little bit of experience with that beforehand as far as getting um, Peter Klima out of the Czech Republic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, you know, they were, fortunately for the Red Wings, they, you know, they weren't flying completely blind. They had done, you know, done their homework. Yeah, and I guess, like, because Sergei Fedorov, correct me if I'm wrong, he was a third-round pick, right? Uh, Fourth-round pick. Fourth-round pick. Yeah. So 
do you th- do you think that they really thought they were going to get him to come over when they did that, or did it was more of a flyer where it's like, okay, if it happens, it happens. Oh no, they. I mean, they they wouldn't have wasted the resources if they didn't think that they were going to get him. You know, the thing is, is Mike Gillich was willing to do whatever it took to win, right? And so mm-hmm. Jim, Jim Nevilleano knew that, and so a different ownership maybe it's a little bit more risky putting that guy onto your onto your board but with Mike Gillich you know you're going to get the resources to actually try to try to bring him over and they knew what kind of talent Sergey was mm-hmm. you know that wasn't a surprise so yeah it was just a matter of figuring out how do we do this which which brings me to the next one Slava Kozlov yeah. um, when you say how do you do this he was in a hospital bed when they got him correct uh, pretty much that's how they convinced him to come yeah, you know, he, he had been in this really bad, nasty car accident. Um, he was driving. His teammate was killed. Uh, they were trying to get to practice uh, at Red Army headquarters. And, you know, they didn't know if he was ever going to play hockey again. And so the Red Wings offered him an opportunity, you know, saying, hey, we have doctors in America. Let's do this. Uh, come come play in Detroit. And, you know, that was sort of finally the thing that helped him say, okay, I'm ready to leave my family and everything I know here and come to America. Uh, he wanted to play hockey. That was his dream, you know. I, th- I think it's like he wanted to play hockey, but at the same time, the fact that, like, an NHL team flew overseas to go make sure, one, to make sure he was okay, and then two, to, like, be like, hey, why don't you come? I mean, that's got to speak volumes. If you're lying in a hospital bed, your your teammate just passed away, and you're like, oh, man, like, like and, and at that time, maybe he didn't even know if he could play hockey again because a, a serious car accident, you don't really know what's going on. So I think the fact that they like went out of their way and took these steps, that had to have played a major role. Yeah, I think the fact that they were all able to offer him that kind of um, medical treatment, you know, was, was a big deal to Kazi. Because, I mean, again, you have to remember this is the Soviet – well, it's the former Soviet Union. It's now Russia and the Federation States at this point – you know, the Soviet Union had collapsed. And so Kazi doesn't know what his future is going to look like as far as, you know, if he's going to be able to play hockey, if they're going to be able to help him recover. Um, it's a it's a crazy time. It's, it's insane. So <laughs> I guess long story short, the Detroit Red Wings get these five Russians, Sergei Fedorov, Slava Fetisov, Slava Kozlov, Igor Larionov, and Vladimir Konstantinov all on the same team. And yeah. it was magical. I think I read something today that they were all out there for a two-minute shift, and I don't think another team touched the puck the entire time they were out there, which is – could you imagine that happening in today's game? It, it would be – It's probably accurate. I mean, I watched a lot of those highlights. And, like, you know, you, you use the ones where they score a goal usually, but there were some plays where it's just like the Wings fans were cheering them after a shift even though they didn't score just because of what kind of magical things they were doing on the ice. So, Yeah. Which is insane because it's not like they're playing against like adult league hockey players. They're playing against guys that are the professional NHL athletes who can't yeah, go anywhere near the hockey. best in the world, and they're they're skating circles around them. But it's, I mean, that's how good that these Russians were, you know. Yeah, and and after a few years where they didn't really come up and get the cup, and you had like Don Cherry and other other type of media personnel saying, "Oh, the Russians are soft. The Russians can't do this. They can't do that." They end up winning the cup. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, as a fan, what were you like during those times? Because when the Rangers won the Cup in 94, I was four years old. I don't really remember. And every year, it's just heartbreak after heartbreak. It must have been an incredible feeling watching your team win. Yeah, you know, I was just about to go into high school that summer, you know. And so it was – Perfect it was, times. Yeah, it was super exciting. Um, 
yeah, we had been through, you know, the middle school and elementary school, all the heartbreaks. And then finally, yeah, it was, we thought we, you know, we were on top of the world and then very quickly everything came crashing down. So, and, and uh, crashing down, you mean a few days after they win the cup, uh, Vladimir Konstantinov, uh, got in a limo accident with the team, uh, massage therapist, correct? Masur, yeah. Uh, Sergei Manasikhanov, correct. Yes. And absolutely devastating. He ended up passing away. Vladimir was never the same after that, which is just awful. Yeah. And what tells you about this group is the next year they go out and they do it again. And the resilience, I can't even imagine. You know, that just shows sort of the brotherhood of what they do. Um, you know, the most important thing to winning in, in the game of hockey as far as championships go is the, the brotherhood, the camaraderie. I think that's something that this movie shows. And it's a lesson in, in what happened with the Russian five. Like, you you know, forget the fact that they, you know, they they're playing for Vladimir Konstantinov, their their fallen teammate. They have to replace him. You know, he's a he's a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman that you're not playing with. And to win again just shows you how much heart they really had for each other. So, yeah, you know, and to this day you still see it. They, those guys love each other. They will always be uh, brothers for for life. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. I listen to Spin Chicklets quite a bit, and they all they have like these guys who used to play in the show, and they come on and like they tell their stories. And I'm sure most of them miss hockey, but I think the thing that they miss the most is just being around the boys, like being in the locker room, the camaraderie, and it it really just speaks volumes. Like, I think you just absolutely nailed that. Um, There's just a couple things that I wanted to kind of get into. Uh, And so you have the Russian five, Sergei Fedorov, Fetisov, Kozlov, Lirionov, Konstantinov. Is there one thing about each player that you can tell us that we wouldn't necessarily know about them having watched the film or like looked into anything? So I'm sure like you've interviewed, you've talked to like, are there, are there stories that weren't in the film that you could tell us here? Uh, I mean, you know, Sergey and the Vladdy going to Guns N' Roses is a good story that I wish would have made the film. Um, there's a, a funny story about, you know, after they won the cup, Dave Lewis and, and uh, Barry Smith and Scotty Bowman are at Vladimir Konstantinov's house for a little little get together and um, Vladdy pours a bu- some wine for them and just like you know, regular glasses. And the next thing they know, Igor Larionov is screaming at him in Russian and makes him dump them out and like pour him in actual wine glasses. <laughs> um, so I thought that was a fun story. Uh, Kazi's still grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> Does that guy ever smile? Uh, once in a while, but yeah, you have to really pay attention because you, you won't see it long. <laughs> Uh, what about, um, what about Fatisov? Is there anything about Fatisov that we wouldn't have like seen or known? He's a pretty interesting guy. I mean, he is. I just got back from Israel, uh, with Slava and Darren actually, uh, last week or so. Um, and not a big deal, whatever he's, well, you know, he's all right. So I'll tell you this, we're in Israel and, um, we, you know, Slava and his wife, and Darren and I um, and my producer, Jenny, we're all in old Jerusalem and we're in like the tomb where supposedly Christ was buried. And while we're in there, um, these Russians notice Slava and they like start freaking out because, you know, for for Russians, like Slava Fatisov is bigger than Gordy Howe. Right? Yeah, he's, he's royalty. Yeah. Right. And so the next thing we know, they are getting selfies with Slava in front of Christ's tomb. Oh, um, no way. It was really, 
it was really surreal, you know. Um, but he took it in stride. So. Yeah, can you imagine that question? Hey, can we take a quick picture in front of this? Uh, okay, sure. Um, it's used to it by now, I guess. You've mentioned you mentioned the Guns N' Roses concert. What what, what more can you tell us about that? Because I mean, they rocked hard back in the day. Yeah, you know, Sergey and Vladdy both are big, big like heavy music fans, and so you know they were fortunate enough to get tickets to go see Guns N' Roses, and uh, I guess the band, you know, kind of knew a little bit about hockey, so they recognized Sergey, and they're like, "Hey, let's all party!" And you know, oh, no hey, Sergey said everyone was there except for Axel. Uh, where he said, you know, Axel would come out from some secluded room and get some champagne and shrimp and go back to that room. <laughs> oh, man. Can you, can you imagine, like, there's the expression of, like, party like a rock star, but you're actually getting to party with rock stars. I can't even, not in my wildest dreams, even imagine what happened that night. Yeah, I mean, it probably a lot of craziness, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, my second thing. So again, I wasn't too familiar with the Russian five, all this stuff, but when I really started getting familiar with the Red Wings is when they had the Colorado avalanche rivalry, which to me yeah. is, I would say other than like the Yankees and the Red Sox is, and it's weird cause I don't really consider them rivals anymore, but that rivalry that they had with the avalanche was unbelievable. You had the Russian five, you had Brendan Shanahan, Steve Eiserman, And then on the other side, you have Patrick Waugh, foot, uh, shit. Uh, who am I thinking of? like that was insane so when you were interviewing these guys like did their ears perk up when they were talking about this yeah i mean they still hate those guys you know what i mean you know like they they respect some of those guys like joe sackick i think and i think there's some begrudging respect to peter forsberg because he was so good but you know he was sort of known for uh his slew foot cheap shots yeah um but I mean, yeah, you know, this was such a big part of their careers and lives that, yeah, they 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 definitely perk up a little bit when we talked about the Avs. And, you know, it's funny because the Avs, you know, they still don't like the Wings a whole lot either. And their marketing team was less than helpful. And of course, communications team, I should say, was less than helpful. And uh, me trying to get someone from the Avalanche in the film, you know, I, I wanted to have Patrick Waugh tell us his side of the story. But yeah. They just, you know, didn't want to really cooperate, unfortunately. And, and you know, they didn't know what it was going to be and, and how it was going to turn out. And so there it is. <laughs> that uh, that game that they came back uh, when I think McCarty scored in overtime. Yeah. It, that was regular season, correct? Correct. That was the last uh, meeting between the two teams in the regular season in 96-97. That really was sort of what, you know, everyone in that locker room after that game knew we're we've got a real shot this year that's what i was going to ask you like do you think if they end up losing that game that we're that we're even really talking about this dynasty of of an organization no i mean everyone in their interview is pretty clear that it's not so much you know the fights that were important it was that they won the game Mm -hmm. you know they came back from that deficit and they showed colorado we can fight you uh with their fists and we can beat you in the scoreboard yeah, and I mean that's that's huge, right? Like, it, it was it was surreal. I I got I literally got goosebumps when McCarty was being interviewed and he was explaining the difference between a sucker punch and a cold clock. And he's I think he says something along the lines as a sucker punch is is when you punch somebody from behind. The cold clock is when you punch somebody in the face. And as he says face, it zoomed into him just hammering Claude Lemieux yeah. in terms of like directing quality. 
I don't think you could have nailed that any better. Like it was insane. I took a video of it and sent it to a, my group chat of like all my best friends growing up playing hockey and stuff like that. And it was, it was unbelievable. I, I actually saw it the night it came out. I think it was on NBCSN. It was, it was after a Rangers game. Yeah. And, after the um, Rangers game. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a diehard Rangers fan. And I'm telling you right now, I was looking forward to the documentary more than I was looking forward to that game. And it did yeah. not disappoint. It was unbelievable. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. It was, oh man, I, it's very, very, very well done. Um, and well, then like, I owe a lot of credit to my, my team. You know, we, I had a lot of awesome people pulling, pulling, you know, the right direction with us. And, and it's not until you really get that team in place and everyone's sort of on the same page that that kind of movie takes its shape and form. So, you know, I, I'd love to take all the credit, but I can't. No, and that, I mean, good on you for giving the people their dues, right? Like, it wasn't just a one-man show. Like, I can't even imagine how many hours it spent. How many hours did it, did it take you to do this? <laughs> Seven years, so. Seven uh, years. Yeah, I don't know what the math is for that, but. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not math guys. Um, so, I have a friend. Her name's Jillian Kemmer. She works for Sports Express. She, like, uh, covers the KHL. She's actually interviewed Sergei Fedorov a billion times. Like, she gets to know some of those guys. And I got to message her today. I'm like, hey. Like, the guy's coming on, the Russian five, she's like, no way, is there anything you want me to ask him? So she came up with a couple questions. Uh, She wanted to know how you guys made the creative decision to use the animations. Because if you're watching the film, like, a lot of it are interviews, but you guys kind of go into, like, these cartoon-esque, like, animations, and it really did make everything work way better. Like, what was the reasoning behind that? Well, I just don't like recreations and, and documentaries, and we didn't have the budget to do them well, so... You know, how are we going to tell these parts of the story where there's nothing to show? Animation made the most sense. And if you look at the film sort of visual style, um, just overall, uh, we kind of made it to kind of have this sort of hybrid feel between this, you know, Soviet, you know, constructivist feel and a a comic book. And so sort of fusing the two, um, you know, my personal, you know, two styles from both of these cultures that I really like. And so that was something that my producer, Jenny Fedorovich, and I talked about from the first meeting. And, and it was uh, not easy because it was, you know, uh, I did the storyboards with someone in Los Angeles. And then um, we had the actual art drawn in Ukraine. And then we had an animator put the story, like the Photoshop love files, uh, moving them in Austin, Texas. And uh, But together, we kind of put it together and made it happen. So... And and the way you said it, how you wanted those two things to kind of mix, like you guys did a great job of that because it wasn't like your modern day like cartoon type stuff. Like it had that like eerie Russian kind of vibe to it, and yeah. it just made everything work perfect. Well, thank you. It, yeah. You know, well, money it, well spent. Whoever did that did a <laughs> tremendous job. Yeah, they uh, the Ukrainians uh, worked their asses off for us uh, to to make the deadline happen and and. You know, uh, my producer, Jenny, had to kind of have a uh, come to Jesus. Uh, OK, guys, we need to get this figured out. Talk with them um, after she had just had a C-section, uh, having giving birth to her first her first child. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> hockey players, man, they're tough. <laughs> right. Ho- hockey moms right yeah, right off the bat. So uh, the next couple group of question i think they're all related she wanted to know were the guys excited to talk about their story were they tired of rehashing it and like did they all get together at any point like during the taping um 
You know, at first there was, I think there was a little bit of uh, leeriness about just agreeing to it, just because they weren't sure what it was going to be and how it was going to turn out. Uh, but you know, once everyone kind of bought into it, uh, yeah, there's an excitement. I think actually, as slowly got word got around that like, oh, they this is a real crew and they're not just showing up with an iPhone. Um, you know, I think the guys slowly got more and more excited and and. You know, Chris Osgood joked, um, it's like, wow, we don't even do stuff like this for Fox Sports Detroit. <laughs> but, but these guys, this is such a, a big moment in their careers and lives. You know, it was it's an important story to them. And so, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any part of them that's sick of reliving it at all. In fact, I think they love reliving it because, again, this is sort of their – this was their glory uh, years. Uh, you know, and, and – Unfortunately, the glory years were interrupted by some really fucking sad shit that went down. And so, you know, that's always going to impact you for life. You're never going to forget that. Yeah. No, and, and it's it's more of a, uh, like, in a remembrance kind of thing, like, in a respectful way, which was, like, it was really nice. It wasn't, oh, these are just facts. Like, it, it, it hit you where it needed to hit you. And it, it was, it, I don't know, man. It was a good remembrance type of thing. Um Here's a question for you off the top of the head. The premiere, how nervous were you when you premiered it? And what was the reaction from everybody after, like, after watching it? Um, I think after what we had gone through um, to make the movie, uh, it wasn't really any nerves anymore. It was just numbness. Uh, but the crowd was super into it, and it was, uh, it was fantastic. What did all the boys think? Were they just like blown away? Yeah, you know, slowly, most of the guys have gotten to see the movie. And so the only people that were there that opening night were Darren, Jimmy Davilano, and Vladdy. Okay. Um, just because of scheduling and everything. But, yeah. you know, Sergey finally got to see it in the theaters back in October. And he was just, he loved it. That's um, awesome, man. And Stevie has seen it. Um, I've heard that he enjoys it. Chris Draper loves it. Ozzy took his kids to go see it opening night in the theaters, just sort of undercover mm-hmm. uh no one knew he was in the theater um yeah you know i don't know if mrs Illich has seen it yet i'd love i'd love her too and hopefully have her put her stamp of approval on it and then put some shine on us but uh we'll see you know I, that's awesome the fact that and as a red wings fan like did you ever imagine yourself doing this like in it coming together so perfect uh I mean, why not? I have, I've got a big imagination, so. I like that a lot. Um, so now we talked about the tragedy with Vladimir Konstantinov. Uh, is there an update on him? Jillian, uh, Jillian also wanted to know, she'd be curious how difficult it was to get guys to speak about that going on. Because, again, I mean, life-altering. Yeah. You're at the absolute top of the world, and then all of a sudden that's just taken away from you. I mean, as you see in the movie, Sergei didn't really want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it still affects those guys to this day. But, you know, Vladdy's still fighting. You know, he's still pretty strong. Uh, he can walk a little bit now. Um, he gets around either in a wheelchair or with a walker. And, um, you know, we've been trying to raise some money and some awareness for him because nobody expected him to live the night of the accident. And here it is, you know, 20, 30 some years later, whatever it is, 20 years later, 25. God, I, I can't even remember right now. What year is it? <laughs> <laughs> We're almost at 2020. Jesus. Uh, yeah, but so, 
you know, actually there are shirts that you can order. Um, I think we have them on our website. They're through um, uh, Mitten State, where uh, the Vladinator shirts were proceeds for those go to him. Um, yeah, you know, we have some Ernst Benz um, designer watches where the proceeds go to him. Um, they're not cheap, but they're real nice. And uh, yeah, you know, just trying to remind people with this this film of kind of what Vladdy meant to the city and, and the franchise um, and how just fragile life is because it could just change in a second. And, you know, they did everything right and bad things happen anyway. Yeah, I mean, you, you have it all and then it's just immediately taken for you. I will, after this podcast, buy one of those shirts because I need one. Um, and then I guess my last question for you, man, like what was the most special thing about this for you? You know, there's been a lot of really cool special things. Um, and, you know, whether it's the, the impact it's had on Vladimir Konstantinov um, and, and getting to watch it with him and, and seeing him, re- you know, remember everyone that's in the movie and, and say their names out loud and then sing We're the Champions. Like, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Like I said, two weeks ago, I was in Israel with Slava Fatisov and Darren McCarty. And, and like Darren and I went, we floated the Dead Sea together. Like that was pretty incredible, incredible too, you know. What's that guy like? Is he just, He's, he seems like amazing dude. He is like the real genuine article of a human <laughs> being. Um, he is, there's no bullshit with Mac, which I love and appreciate. Um, he's just like. Just a really, really good dude, down to earth. Um, it's really been awesome to sort of see him in this phase of his life where he's really kind of, you know, putting it together again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, he's, he's had a hard life, you know, and he's uh, taking all those punches in, in hockey fights is not, you know, good for the brain and, and mm-hmm. one's emotional and mental well being overall. And so to see him happy and engaged in something that's got him really excited about and his new podcast that he's going to launch or I guess relaunch, um, in January. Uh, I know he's, he's got big things planned for that. So it's just, uh, it's been really, uh, an honor to sort of become his friend and see like the real McCarty and realize that like, in a lot of ways, the real McCarty is the person that the fans see, you know, just, Um, just raw emotion, passion, right? Yeah, it's but it, it's awesome to watch him just like tackle an autograph line and just like you know every single person that he meets, he's in his, in a, in that moment with them, and and it's it's real and it's cool and it's uh, yeah. rare. So that's something that's really I appreciate. Yeah, where I grow up, I'm from upstate New York, and the Adirondack Red Wings used to be like 20 minutes from yeah. where we're at. So, like, guys like McCarty, I'm pretty sure Osgood, a lot of those guys went through the lens. They were roommates there, actually, yeah. Which is, I mean, it's kind of, it's pretty cool. I reached out to uh, McCarty's people not too long ago, and they got back to me. So hopefully we can get him on the podcast because, like, he he just seems exactly what you said, like, raw, passionate. There's You don't have to wonder where you're at with that guy. He seems like he just, he is who he is. Yeah. Which is really cool. But, Joshua, thank you so much for popping on, man. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, please check it out. The Russian five. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Russian five film, go to their website, the Russian com. You guys, I mean, 
it, it truly is incredible. I'm not just pumping this guy's tires. Like you guys need to go out and see if you like the game of hockey, whether you're a Red Wing fan or not, it, it's a must watch. Uh, where where else can these guys see the film right now? iTunes. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It will be. Uh, airing on NBC Sports again, uh, leading up to the playoffs and during the playoffs. Uh, and if you fly United or Delta or uh, Alaska Air, you can watch it while you uh, travel across the country or the planet. Um, I'm yeah. glad that you just mentioned that because the guy that helps us out, BizDev Dale, he was recently on a flight and I was telling him about the Russian Five and he got home. He's like, you're not going to believe what I watched on the airplane. I'm like, what's going on? And he got to watch it. He was pumped up. He was he was upset he wasn't able to uh, make this podcast, but he was fired up about yeah. it. So. Again, check it out, therussian5.com, uh, Russian 5 Film on Twitter. Joshua, thank you so much for taking time. I mean, it, it means a lot. It's really, really cool. I'm glad that we, we can try to help get the story out. And uh, incredible job, man. A+. Plus. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. I paid my dues time after time. My sentence, but committed no crime and bad mistakes. I've made a few.